Hey there, before we jump into today's episode, I want to make sure that you know about three pretty cool changes I've made to my two signature e-courses, Marriage Methods for Women in Difficult Marriages and Heartbreak to Hope for Women Who Are Separated or Divorced. Change number one, you can now pay whatever you can afford for either of these courses. I don't want money to get in the way of your healing. Change number two, you can now decide between receiving the content weekly for 12 weeks or in a guidebook PDF upon purchase. And change number three, if you have a friend or family member in your life who is in a difficult marriage or going through a divorce, you can now give either of these courses as a gift. See, I told you these were cool changes. Check the links in the show notes to order today. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe that we have a God who loves us and created us equally. Today, I'm going to read a recent blog post where I finally shared where I land on the complementarian egalitarian continuum, mainly because it seemed to stir up some things on the blog, and so I decided to also share it here for those of you who don't double up on my content. Here we go. I have never written on this topic before, and I'm pretty sure I know why, because A, no one has asked me to, and B, it's a hot button issue, but oh well. For some reason, though, I have some thoughts these days, and I'm feeling weirdly fired up about it. For those of you who do not believe in God or follow scripture or are part of a church or evangelical culture, you will more than likely not understand most of this. Why would a woman, quote unquote, follow a man, submit to a man, do what a man tells her to do? I say this with all due respect. If this is where you fall, feel free to listen, but these words are not written spoken for you. These words are for women who are trying to live faithfully because of their love for Jesus. This is such a complicated topic. I cannot possibly cover even a fraction of the subject in one podcast episode, but here I am sharing some random thoughts. Also, I realize that what I'm about to say is very much more based on my personal and painful experience and my gut instincts than it is based on a deep study into Greek and Hebrew. So please keep that in mind as you listen. I am literally calling myself out ahead of time. But with that said, I have been trying to love and follow Jesus and read scripture for over 36 years. I believe I have the mind of Christ and I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. Here we go. Oh, my lands. Also, People who genuinely love Jesus and sincerely study scripture land on all different places on this continuum. I don't think this is a one way is right, the other way is wrong kind of thing, but I could even be wrong about that. Okay, now here we go. Oh my goodness. Before I met Jesus at the age of 15, I would have considered myself a feminist with my definition of feminism simply being men and women are equal. When I met Jesus and started following him and started going to church and to two youth groups, I still would have considered myself a feminist, as in men and women are equal. But as I started hearing things about dating and marriage, words and phrases like men are the head and wives are to submit started popping up. 
And I didn't quite understand it all, but I was new to all the Jesus and Bible stuff. And I was a sponge. So I soaked it all in. Now, I'm no theologian. I've never claimed to be. But from what I understand, egalitarians and complementarians both claim that men and women are equal in the eyes of God. But where they differ or where they claim to differ is that egalitarians believe that men and women should just live out of their giftedness in the home and in the church. I'm so super simplifying things here. And complementarians believe that men are the leaders and can do all the things. And women have a cap on what they can do in the home and in the church. Also, from what I understand, there are verses to back up either stance. Now, I knew one day I wanted to get married and have children. I knew by then that I wanted a husband who loved Jesus too. And so I figured to do that, I had to go along with the whole submission thing. I remember my youth pastor's wife putting it this way. When submission is working right, you don't even really know it's happening because your husband is loving both God and you so well, you just want to follow his lead. Now, that really resonated with my teenaged heart, the, you know, hadn't even been in a relationship version of me yet. I felt I could get on board with that. Like, how hard could that be? <laughs> but as you might imagine, there can be some huge cracks in this hypothesis if you know, your husband isn't loving God or you well, or is actually hurting you. Add to that. I had taken a bunch of spiritual gifts tests and I found out that leadership was one of my top gifts. Okay. So what does that even mean? I can serve in church leadership, but only over anyone under 18 and the humans with the ovaries. And I need to kind of squelch my leadership at home because how would that make my husband feel who wasn't gifted with leadership, but is called to lead? I was trying to start each day with Jesus, even with littles. I was taking myself through Bible studies. I was in small group Bible studies. I was leading small group Bible studies. I was starting and leading ministries. I was putting myself in accountability relationships. I was trying to love and obey and follow the Lord with my whole heart and mind and soul. And he was not doing all those things. I knew the ins and outs of running our home. I was crazy organized and gifted administratively, and I knew my children better than anyone. And yet, because he had what I had, and I had a uterus, I wasn't allowed to pay the bills. I had to ask if I could put something in the shopping cart. I had to ask permission before taking my children to the doctor. My marriage was, in part, a complex psychological nightmare with complementarianism and its twin anchors of husbands are the head, wives are to submit, empowering my then husband to control under the guise of lead her and enabled me to take the abuse under the umbrella of follow him. No wonder I have a bitter taste in my mouth over the ideology of complementarianism. And no wonder it makes me nervous for so many women in my former shoes. In The Power of a Praying Wife, a book that I prayed through a gazillion times, Stormy Omardian leads us wives to pray this. Enable him to be the head of the home as you made him to be and show me how to support and respect him as he rises to that place of leadership. Okay. Except of course, A, if he doesn't rise to that place of leadership and B, if it's really hard to respect him because for instance, he's perhaps into porn or lying to you or cutting you down or bullying you or drinking too much or hitting you or cheating on you, or not praying, or not reading the word, or not doing the laying down his life part. No, not accept if those things, still. Still respect and support and submit, no matter if those things are happening. 
And yet I would drop hints of some of these things, first to women at church, then to men, and implore if he were loving Jesus with his whole heart and laying his life down for me and he weren't doing this and that and this and that, I would follow him to the ends of the earth. But that's not our reality. How do I submit to our reality? Truly, tell me, tell me how to do it and I will do it. The rule following Jesus loving teacher's pet that I was. And so they did. They told me how to follow him because in fact, how you live your life, wife, could actually stop him from doing all those bad things. That was implied more times than I care to remember. So I was told, pray for him more, criticize him less, nag him less, argue less. In other words, shut up more, have sex more, serve him more, cook more, acquiesce more, make your home a refuge for him to come home to. Okay, done and done and done and done. And yet no changes, rephrase, not no changes, a worsening, because worsening is what happens when these things are left unchecked. But repeat anyway, keep doing your part, hurting wife. God will deal with him. Okay, but will he? I'm begging him to, but he doesn't seem to be. So this is where complementarianism can become problematic. It puts the abused, lied to, controlled, cheated on, all the bad things happening to wife in a very vulnerable position, calling her to forgive, sure, and forget, ugh, and turn the other cheek, sometimes literally, and keep ducking her head and nodding yes and taking what she's getting. It's not okay. It's just not okay because... For one thing, it takes away her God-given agency to say no to mistreatment and sin. And I can hear them now. Well, now, of course, you're not to go along with him if he wants you to sin. Oh, my lands. Another side note, abuse is not limited to complementarian marriages. I can think of a few examples of men who claim to be flaming egalitarians who wielded their power to sexually abuse women. And I can think of many complementarian marriages that are loving and healthy. So this is an equal opportunity issue. Until many, many years and many, many prayers and many, many tears later, I was released by God and a group of church leaders and we divorced and I was set free and I was single and I had some time to think about all of this. And I came to the conclusion that I would choose more wisely next time around, if there were a next time around, and that I would focus more on the submit to one another verse that precedes wives submit to your husband's verse. Okay. A confessional and cautionary side note. We are not to cherry pick which verses we like and which verses we do not like. And yet we are to take into account the whole of scripture. We are to realize that scripture is part instruction manual, part historical document, part poetry, all love story between God and his creation. And we are to look at it through the lens of when it was written and the cultural context. But also that verse precedes the other two for a reason. It is foundational to the other two. Also, though I absolutely believe all scripture is God-breathed and useful for instruction, We don't still, for instance, make animal sacrifices, and most women, for instance, don't wear head coverings in church. 
we take scripture and we apply it to our now. Also, I think about how Jesus interacted with women, how he talked to them, how he taught them, how he healed them, how he yielded to them, how he forgave them, how he cried with them, how he elevated them, how he shared news with them, uh, sometimes before the guys, how I never got the sense from Jesus the ever said to a woman, not now or not you, or be quiet. And it's not that I'd never submit ever again because I am woman, hear me roar. And it's not that I would find a man who wouldn't do all those bad things. And it's not that I would find a man who did all the good things I thought he should do and just fall in love, fall in love, fall in line with what I wanted. But maybe I could exhale a bit. Maybe I could let go a bit. Because though I was once told that I shouldn't waste my time or money bothering to continue my biblical education in a formal way, because I was already the highest I could go as a woman in our church. Yes, I was told this, a memory that just recently resurfaced. And though I once told a leader that I was, quote unquote, all in with complementarianism after he gave me a book to try to convince me of its merits and rightness, here's where I've landed in my humanness. And through my admittedly painful lens, I believe men and women are equal. I believe God created men and women equal and we are equally loved and equally gifted. I believe men and women should live out their gifts, whatever those are, wherever God opens doors for them. I believe husbands and wives should lovingly and respectfully be their God-given selves within a marriage and lovingly and respectfully let each other be themselves and lovingly and respectfully serve each other and lovingly and respectfully treat each other with kindness and compassion and empathy and tenderness and lovingly and respectfully pray for each other and lovingly and respectfully take care of their own responsibilities spiritually and physically and emotionally and mentally and relationally and lovingly and respectfully put the other first. Side note, I take care of the bills now because I'm capable and I'm the one with the laptop, frankly. And I put whatever I want to the grocery cart because my husband isn't my boss and he's generous of spirit. And I go to the doctor when I need to because I'm a grown woman who is empowered to take care of herself. And I set the thermostat because my husband wants me to be comfortable in our home and I don't stand in front of it begging Jesus to make it go down to the appointed temperature. And I don't have to literally do a show and tell of my target purchases anymore, justifying why we need Q-tips. And the dishes aren't rearranged in the dishwasher because I don't know how to load a dishwasher. And the washing machine isn't unplugged with the promise it will be plugged back in once I read the manual. And you know what? I actually buy less now that I'm not monitored and controlled. It's funny what freedom and respect can do to a person in a marriage. And I don't cry anymore and I don't cower anymore, and I'm not scared anymore. I'm me now, to be clear. Oh my gosh, there are so many parenthetical statements in this one. Richard is the main breadwinner, and my full-time life's work consists of these things, being part coach, podcaster, writer, speaker, 
part 1950s housewife, basically, part mother, part grandmother, but not because he's told me this is how it's going to be, but because this is what works for us. About six months into our marriage, I said to Richard, I just realized you have never once told me what to do. And he said, why would I do that? We're both in charge. And that has worked for us. It may not work for you. And you may radically disagree with me and with where I've landed. And you might even think I'm a heretic. And girls, God will deal with me if I've ended up on the wrong side of this, you know, things on this issue. You can feel all these things about me. You can completely disagree with me, but this is working for us. So what does this all mean? What was my point? If you are in a happy, healthy, egalitarian marriage, kudos. If you are in a happy, healthy, complementarian marriage, that's wonderful. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus and the grown one too, and give your husband a huge hug the next time you see him. Now, if you're a man, which I'd be really surprised, but if you are a man and you have listened to this whole thing and you have made it here, first of all, bless your heart. Secondly, no matter where you fall on this continuum, if you love God, and if you hope to have a girlfriend, fiance, or wife one day, or if you have a girlfriend or a fiance or a wife right now, I implore you, implore you to learn to love her the way Jesus loves her, to treat her with respect, to ask her questions, to listen to her answers, to encourage the gifts that God has given her, to pray for her, to ask her what she loves to do and then do it together, to open her doors, to hold her hand, to hold her gently, to not control her, to not tell her what to do, to not squelch who God has made her to be. Maybe even read one of the gospels and make a list of ways that Jesus loves people and then apply it to your relationship. However, if you are a woman and you are in an unhealthy, any kind of marriage or relationship, if you feel controlled, if you think there's abuse, if there is addiction or mental illness or adultery and you don't know what to do, oh honey, there is help and there is hope and you are not alone and there are things that you can try. I will put a link to a handful of resources in the show notes. As always, it would be such a huge help to me and to this podcast if you would consider doing one or more of the following. Share this episode, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, or even financially support it. And to all of you who have already done any of these things, thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to me. So sweet ones, all that to say, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God. You are equal to every other human he's created in his sight. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day 
already completely loved with no other loves to beg for, and you have nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love.